welcome to the sermon podcast for Ashburn Baptist Church, Chicago. We pray the message you are about to hear is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. Hey, let's give it up for our God one more time. Thank you, worship band. I loved that last song, especially. That'll be one that we throw regularly into the rotation. And I am really excited about today. We have a special guest speaker who's near and dear to me because he's my dad. My dad. And when we talked about this series called Bad Advice, I was like, who better to ask than dad? So dad, we're excited for you to be with us here today. He taught me everything I know about being a man, about being in ministry, about preaching. And I'm so excited for you to be able to hear him this morning. Will you join me in welcoming my dad to church today? Dad, bless us with whatever God has given you today. Uh, thank you. What a joy it is to be here. We're excited about being grandparents. And uh, that Briggs is perfect, I'm telling you. He is absolutely perfect, in my opinion. And uh, we're so glad for Josh and Kara. Love what God's doing in their life. Um, 84, 1984, I came to Chicago for Bible college and was here for 10 years. And uh, on the north side, uh, had a bus route there, bringing people to church and, and getting people saved and seeing them grow in the Lord and, and uh, just always have had a real, real heart for this city. And uh, I'm sure the, time, the thought crossed my mind a time or two, man, I'd love to pastor in Chicago someday. But you know, it's like David was told by God, you know, nah, I'm going to let your son Solomon do that. I'm glad that God let my son be right here in the heart of Chicago on the south side. Amen? And, uh, man, I'm excited for you next week as you change a little bit and uh, the temperature changes and uh, the, what do you call it, the vision, vision week next week. Boy, I tell you, I'm excited about that. I'll be watching and uh, wanting to hear exactly what God's laid on your pastor's heart and the team here, and because I believe God's got great things for this church in here. I really, really do. Glad to have my wife with me, Wendy, and I uh, got married in 1990, and my daughter, Hannah. This is the last week Hannah's going to live in our home for a while. She's going to move to Lynchburg, and uh, I, uh, I'm going to hate that, leave my baby girl leaving home, you know, but I got a grandbaby an hour and a half away, so, you know, things are changing. Well, Luke 18, Luke 18, we're talking about bad advice, bad advice. And boy, I tell you, the advice I want to talk to you about today, the bad advice is, it's really given by one, you have somebody that probably gives you this bad advice. And, uh, but it's, it's, it's never your wife, it's never your pastor, it's never your closest friend. Usually, it's, it's you. It's the advice you give yourself. And that advice you give yourself is, don't ever admit you're wrong. Don't ever admit you're wrong. Oh, some people are quick to, to maybe not accept that advice, but there's always something on the inside that wants to defend the idea that you might be wrong, right? You think about it. Look at Luke chapter 18. I'll read a passage here for you. The Bible says, and he spake this parable under certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. That's Jesus's words. He's telling a short story with a huge impact. And he says, I want to tell you about a short story about those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous 
and despised others. You know who these people were? They were complacently pleased with themselves over their own moral performance. And they looked down their noses at everybody else. I'm okay. I don't have any problems. Everything's all right with me. Even when they were wrong, they didn't like to admit that they were wrong. Look at verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray. The one, the Pharisee, the other, the publican. The public, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself, God, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers. He says, uh, I, I fast, oh, this publican. I'm not like this guy over here on the other side of the room. I fast twice a week. I give tithes at all I possess. I tithe on all my income, he said. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much his eyes unto heaven, but smote his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that humble, everyone that exalted himself shall be abased. But he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. This tax man went home right with God. You know, tax collectors in those days were not it was a profession where many times they were, they were Jews, but they were acting on behalf of the Romans. And so they would go around and they would collect taxes. And it was like extortion in those days, okay? And so there was an amount that, that Rome wanted, but whatever you could get out of me or somebody else, when they would get that money, they always got a large cut off the top of it. And then they would give the rest to Rome. And boy, I tell you, people didn't like them. I mean, they didn't like the fact that they were doing this to Rome, particularly the Jews in that area. And tax collectors, remember there's one tax collector, his name was Zacchaeus. You know, the wee little man, the wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. You know the story. And uh, he was hated. He was hated. In fact, in the Bible days, tax collectors couldn't even go into the temple setting. But this is Jesus' story, and Jesus can let anybody into his temples that he wants to. Amen. And he can let anybody he wants to in this place. Thank God for that. Even the broken, even the ones who've messed up, even the one that faltered. Thank God there's a place. This is not a social club. This is a hospital where people can come get help. As I look at this passage, we think of this idea of admitting I am wrong. Those are the hardest words in the English language to say. In fact, I want you to look at your neighbor right now. Let's practice, all right? Look at your neighbor, and one of you say, I was wrong. Ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. Oh, man. Some wives are smiling right now. <laughs> all right, look at the other person, and you say it this time. Ready? I was wrong. Say it. All right, all right, good, good, good. You know, those words just seem so uncomfortable. In fact, when I was growing up, I laughed as I was thinking about this passage. I was growing up, I'd crash on the couch and I'd turn on the TV. And when I was growing up, they had this show called Happy Days. Some of you ever watched Happy Days? Oh, yeah. The Fonz? Anybody know where I'm going? Who knows the Fonz? Look, watch this clip. Don't watch this. Don't forget that Fon's real. I mean, it's not important. <laughs> I figured I'd hang in the barracks and cheer up the guys. Mouth. 
You're not going to hang these up at any barracks because you're not going to join the Marines. Just take all this stuff home, okay? But Fonzie, not join? I'm all packed. You told me it was the right thing to do. Look, I know what I told you to do, but when I told you to do that, I was... <laughs> Ralph, I was... <laughs> I was not exactly right. What do you mean, not right? I mean, not right. I don't get you. You mean you were wrong? Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Malfa. I was what you just said I was just then, yeah. Wrong. Boy, I tell ya. You know, I just, it wasn't long ago. It was one year ago. Because those times when I get bad advice for myself, I, I remember where I was. I was in Michigan. My wife and I were together. COVID had just, man, it was full on. Things were shut down and... We were in Michigan and we had masks and I was preaching on a Sunday morning and we got in the car on Sunday afternoon and she was going to drop me off at the airport because I was going to finish preaching on Sunday and she's going to take me by O'Hare and I was going to catch a plane and fly out somewhere. And so we stopped. I said, Could I, I need to stop by Home Depot. And I said, I got to go in Home Depot because I planted a garden. I hadn't planted a garden in 15, 20 years. But because of COVID, I thought, man, I can plant me a garden. And so I got me some buckets and filled them with topsoil and put me some tomato plants in there. And I was going to have me a garden. And so I had all that going, but the garden had grown. I mean, the tomatoes were growing up and they were falling over. So I told my wife, I said, I, I got to go in Home Depot and I'm going to buy some trellises. And I don't know if she knew what a trellis was, but I started trying to explain to her what a trellis was. And so I got an illustration out and, and began to show her. And I said, I'm going to go buy these. And when you can wait till I get home. But if you'll do it, it'll maybe save us a tomato or two. And, and so I told her to put these things together and put them down in the buckets and tie the branches up so they won't fall on the ground. And, and so I explained that to her and went in and got the trellises, came back out. And we uh, pulled out on the road, started driving toward O'Hare. And uh, down around Chicago, the Lake Michigan, and was coming up. And, and all of a sudden, my wife takes a drink of coffee. And she went, yeah, nasty, because, because she took my coffee. She drank my coffee. And I drink Splenda because I'm a diabetic. And so somehow, she grabbed my cup. And I'm like, well, the, I said, she said, you moved the coffee cups. I said, no, I didn't. And hear the words you hear. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. Honey, I have not touched those coffee cups. And she picked one of them up. She said, trellis, because I had picked the cups up to show her how to put a trellis in the back of the bucket. And I put it down in the wrong place. But I was convinced she's wrong, not me, because I have not touched those cups. And I tell you, for years, it took me a long time, and I don't know if I'm a pro at it yet, but just learning to admit when you're wrong. Here's the biggest mistake I had growing up. I would admit I'm wrong, and then I would say these words, but <laughs> do you know what happens when you admit you're wrong and you use that three-letter word, but? You discounted everything you said before the but. Everything that you said before the butt is no more any good. You wasted all of that. I was, you wasted it. No matter how hard it was, it's done. 
It took me a lot of years to learn that. Look, what I'm telling you today, if we get more accustomed when we are wrong to admitting we're wrong, it will help our marriages. It will benefit our relationships. It will benefit our church. It will benefit the cause of Christ because it's a lie that we listen to and we often feed it to ourselves that, oh, you don't want to ever admit being wrong. In fact, I heard a, that was an old clip. I want to play a new clip. It's a song. It's a recent song that's been out. I heard it, and this morning the Holy Spirit brought it to my mind. I want you to listen to the words of this song by a recent singer. Go ahead. Line number one, you're supposed to have it all together. When they ask how you're doing, just smile and tell them, never better. Lie number two, everybody's life is perfect except yours. So keep your messes and your wounds and your secrets safe with you behind closed doors. But truth be told, the truth is rarely told. I say I'm fine, yeah, I'm fine, oh, I'm fine, hey, I'm fine, but I'm not. I'm broken, and when it's out of control, I say it's under control, but it's not. And you know it, I don't know why it's so hard to admit it, when being honest is the only way to fix it. There's no failure, no fall, there's no sin you don't already know, so let the truth Stop that right there. So let the truth be told. You know, I, I want to give you four quick things to think about. This is not on the slides anywhere, but just four things because I'm thinking already you guys have got the message. I mean, I could pray and sit down. It'd be a lot easier if I did that, you know, because it's hard to say I'm wrong. But when we are wrong, we need to, number one, we need to own it. That's something internal. That's not external. That's internal. We just need to own it. We need to tell ourselves, that's bad advice. I'm not going to cover it up. Because he that covereth his sin shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh it shall have mercy. So when we are wrong, we ought to own it. Number two, we ought to admit it. Now that's external. That's beyond the inside that comes out to the outside. And that ought to be to God anytime we've wronged him. Amen? Anytime we've sinned, anything we've done, something we shouldn't have done, we own it on the inside and then we confess it on the outside. We admit it on the outside. So you own it on the inside, you, you confess it, you, you, you tell it on the outside and you, it's not just to him because if, you, if you've done wrong to your wife, if you've done wrong to your husband, if you've done wrong to your kids, there's no doubt as a dad, I've promised things to this young man and that young lady and the one that's at home. And I didn't say I was wrong. I should have. That was one of those times that I should have humbled myself and said, hey, hey, kids, I was wrong. I didn't do what I said I was going to do. It's more than just inside. It comes out. And it's not just admitting it. And it's not just confessing it and telling whoever it is that needs to be told that you're wrong. But number three, you need to reconcile it. Fix it if you can, amen? You need to make it right. 
if at all possible. That's what Jesus is in the business for, is reconciliation. And then you need to fix it. I mean, fix it for good so that you rewire the thinking, so that the dots will bypass that bad advice that we get all the time. Oh, you don't want to admit that. Oh, you're not wrong. I've learned, I think I've been wrong more than I've been right many times, most of the time. There's four ways I think we get it wrong that we ought to highlight today as this series ends. Number one, I want to give it to you. There's a number one, the, the, one of the ways we need to quickly be ready to admit we're wrong is number one, I was wrong, I sinned. Oh, we do wrong. When we, when we break God's law, when we disappoint him, we ought to be quick to admit, not cover it up, but be quick to admit, you know, I was wrong. Lord, I was wrong, please. By the way, the Bible says if you're saved, he's already forgiven you of all of your sins. He's already cleansed you. He's cleaning you up continually, but he's already forgiven you of all your trespasses and all your sins the moment you got saved. Now, if you're not saved, that's the only way you can have a relationship with God. Period. The only way, the starting blocks, the starter for the Christian life, the starter for God in your life is you to admit, I'm wrong. That might be why these words are so difficult to say. If he can prepare us, the devil and our own flesh can, can fight against being humble and saying, I was wrong then he'll never have to worry about us looking to God saying, hey, I've sinned. I'm a, I'm a sinner. I'm wrong. And I believe that because of my sin, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get punishment. I'm going to receive a reward of it. It's not a good reward. It's hell. I've got a price on my head because of sin. I've got a, I've got a terrible outlook because of sin. But then we realize that Jesus, God sent a son a Savior, Jesus Christ, to die, be buried, and rise again. He didn't just die for our sins. He died in our sins that we might become his righteousness. So the moment we get saved, he takes all that bad we've done wrong, and he gives us all of his right. Amen. Number two, second thing. We need to admit when we're wrong. First one is when we sin. And we don't like to call it sin in our culture. We, oh, we're just different. Oh, we're just different. Oh, that may be true for you, but that's not true for me. The Bible tells us clearly what's wrong and what's right. And if the Bible doesn't clearly tell us what's wrong and right, then we ought to hush about it. Amen? Number two, let me give you the second thing we ought to be careful about. The second thing I want to tell you we ought to be careful about is I was wrong, I failed you. I was wrong, I failed you. There's a, there's a story in the Bible where, where several stories where Mark and Peter in the Bible were very, very close, extremely close to each other. And, and I think when, when Mark was writing the gospel, the first gospel that was given was the book of Mark. The first full gospel of, of Jesus Christ was given by Mark. And I think Peter encouraged him in that writing. I think as a friend, he was given input and, and, and here's the, here's the last words in the Bible about Peter from Mark, his best friend, I think. Look at the Bible says in Mark 14, 72. And the second time the cock crew, 
And Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said unto him before the cock crowed twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. He said, Mr. Birch, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say, I think Mark probably thought, Peter, this is the last words I've got in the book of Mark concerning you is that you wept. You disappointed the Lord. You were wrong. When are we going to put the beach scene in? You know, the time when Jesus said, hey, children, have you any meat? Remember the union that he had? And lovest thou me more than these? Lovest thou me more than these? Lovest thou me more? When are we going to put that scene in? The one of reconciliation. The one where you and Jesus is reunited. When are we going to put that one in? And I think Peter said, Mark, we're not. Because I want people to know it's okay to admit when you're wrong to others. And you know, when we fail others, when we say we're going to show up and do something and we don't, I mean, just not saying anything is not the right way to do it. Just by throwing it off saying, "Uh, oh, I forgot about that. (laughs) No, we need to be men and women of our word. Our yes ought to be yes, and our no ought to be no. And if we offend somebody, if we don't keep our word, we we ought to be the first to say, hey, I was wrong. Please forgive me. I didn't value your time. I didn't value your study. And I told you I was going to be there, and I, I wasn't there. And I want you to know, I was wrong. Please forgive me. Boy, I tell you, that would change our culture. Could you imagine the last hundred years if everybody had done, if everybody had admitted in the last hundred years when they were wrong, if everyone had admitted that, can you imagine the world we would be living in today? Could you imagine the church we would have today? Could you imagine the culture we would have today if our forefathers and everyone in line had just admitted, I'm wrong. Number three, I'm just going to give you these. We're not going to have time to expound on them. But I was wrong. I sinned. I was wrong. I failed you. Number three, I was wrong about that person. You know, that I think a lot of times we get wrong about people. We mark them. I think we look at somebody and we say, ha, they're never going to change. There may be people that you've hesitated to invite to church. Well, I pray that this message will stir us because some people out there are waiting for an invitation. But they feel that they know they're wrong. They know I'm a drug addict. They know I'm an alcoholic. They know I've failed and failed and failed and failed and I've burned bridges and I've hurt so many people. But here's the bad thing is Christians write them off and they say these words and they're to themselves, they're never going to change. Well, you just, you just diminish the wonderful grace of God. You just contradicted the first songs we sang about God looking for you and trying to find you. He, there's no stone he won't turn over to get to you, to help you, if you won't help. Amen? So I'm thinking back. Because Paul and Barnabas, they got a name, man named John Mark. The, the man with two first names, 
John Mark. Hey, come with us. We're going to go on a missionary journey. We're going to go plant some churches. Come with us. And they went, and halfway through, John Mark said, I'm done. I'm quitting. And he went home. And, and, and a few years later, Peter, uh, Paul says to Barnabas, hey, it's time to go back. Let's go check on those churches. Let's go start a few more churches. <laughs> and John and, and Barnabas says, good, I'm going to go call John Mark. I'm going to go text him. I'm going to go email him. I want John Mark to go with us again. And, and Paul said, he's not going. I'm not taking him. In fact, the verse on the wall says the contention was so sharp between those two guys. I mean, there was such a division that Paul went one way and Barnabas went and took Mark the other way. But years later, years later, Paul's in prison. Demas has forsaken me. He starts talking about people who've left. And then he tells the, the, the Timothy, he says, but bring John Mark because he's profitable for me for the ministry. Oh, John, could uh, 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 Paul, could you say that again? Paul, did you have a change of heart about John Mark? Paul, did you change your mind about? Oh, man. I hope this morning we get more accustomed to saying those words, I was wrong. Say that with me. I was wrong. Say it a little louder. I was wrong. You know, sometimes the last point I want to give you, sometimes we're wrong about God. 56 years old, 57 years old this year. And there's sermons that I preached the first 15 years of my ministry. I won't preach them anymore because I was wrong about God. I think we're all going to get to heaven and realize some things we thought is not the way it really is. So we need to be careful not to be judgmental about our pastor, be judgmental about a direction. Let's be careful because sometimes we got in our mind, oh, they're wrong. Really? Can you show me a verse? Can you show me a passage? Clearly. Otherwise, let's look on the inside and let's stop taking bad advice. Let's be willing to say, so much for joining us. If you have any prayer requests or questions about your spiritual life, we would love to pray for you. Or if you would just like more information about visiting us in person, please email us at chicago at ashburnbaptist.com or visit our website ashburnbaptist.com slash chicago.